Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with award-winning singer, songwriter, author, mental health and disability advocate, Heather Hutchison. Blind since birth, music has been a huge part of her world from a young age. Growing up in Edmonton, Alberta, she spent much time in her early years making up melodies and figuring out songs by ear on the piano. She has had struggles with mental health and was hospitalized for psychiatric care during the COVID-19 pandemic. That's the subject of her book. She has a great story. Enjoy this interview. So you're an award-winning singer, songwriter, best-selling author, mental health and disability advocate. The last two years of COVID and what we went through probably you would imagine would have been pretty hard things that you're pretty active. So how did that time period change you? Yeah, it was challenging for sure. As a musician, it was actually in a way a positive for me because I wasn't performing right before COVID. I had kind of taken some time off um, because I was struggling in other ways and I was kind of just it wasn't really the music that I was playing, what I was doing wasn't really fulfilling me. So it was actually nice to get that time during COVID to really kind of figure out where I wanted to go with music and what I wanted to do. Um, personally, it was it was a really challenging time. Um, I ended up being hospitalized for psychiatric care back at the beginning of COVID. And then I ended up writing a book about that experience. So kind of took some time off there. Um, from music as well and then finally after the book came out i was like well i'm a musician i have to translate these these experiences into songs it just makes sense so i actually came out with an ep called if i could in january of this year that basically um is sort of the soundtrack to that book and talks about those experiences of growing up as a blind person in Canada and Latin America and then being hospitalized for psychiatric care at the beginning of COVID-19. Well, you know, art has a way of healing all of us. And obviously during this pandemic, the fact that we did have music and art and TV and film was huge for humanity because if we didn't, it would have been really bad. So my question to you in light of that is being able to take those rough COVID and translating that to art do you feel as though maybe that was one of the biggest healing obstacles or healing parts for you? Yeah, I absolutely think so. Back at the beginning of, of the pandemic, I felt like I was so far gone that I couldn't even enjoy music. So music had always been such a healing part of of my life from a young age. You know, my first album came out when I was 16 and I was already struggling quite a bit by then. Um, but I would play these concerts and things and people would come up to me afterwards and be like, oh, you know, this song really resonated with me. It really helped me when I was going through this challenging time. So for me, music has always been about connection, about humanity, about finding that human connection with other people. Um, so really struggling and not having that during the beginning of COVID was hard. Um, but then as I started to get a little bit better and I started to get back into music, and and open myself back up to that that power of music to heal. I think it was, you know, the the defining factor really in my healing process in in getting better and being able to release music again. So with all of these things that you are and that you do with your life, if someone was to run into you and say, "Hey, what do you do for a living? What is it? What would your answer be to them?" <laughs> That's a tough one. I feel like I do so many different things. I think I would say an advocate because in my music I try to advocate in 
in the work I do with mental health, I try to advocate. So, yeah, really, really um, focusing in on that that advocacy, that human connection, again, of, of helping people and making that connection and helping people to feel like their experience isn't just their experience, but whatever they're going through, they aren't going through it alone. Really good saxophonist, and he's come through. I'm here in Kansas City, and he's come through before, and he's partially blind, and I've interviewed him a few times, and, and he's explained to me, because of that, how he can conceptualize music on a stage and in a way that's totally different from others that have different faculties. So I'm curious, as somebody that's creative, how how does that make what you do a little different from what maybe the rest of the world would experience as far as taking in art? Yeah, I think it's true. I think everybody does take in art and make art in slightly different ways. Our brains all kind of work differently. Um, for me, I think, you know, not having that that visual aspect, but in a way, music can be quite visual, you know, the the whole industry, I guess, you know, making music videos and things like that. Um, so I actually have to be kind of creatively visual, which is, is challenging. But in terms of the music, um, you know, I've spent so much of my life having to memorize things that I think for me that gives an advantage if I'm trying to play by ear or, you know, I, I can read Braille music. I'm not great at it, um, but I don't really because either way I have to memorize it because I'm <laughs> playing with my hands. You know, I haven't learned to play music or read music with my feet yet. So, um, yeah, so just the, the memorization aspect, I think, is is an advantage um, for me going through, you know, even music school and things like that and, and ear training. Um, I think, yeah, there's definitely an advantage there. Not because my hearing and things like that are, are quote unquote better. I've just learned to use the other senses a lot more effectively over the years. So talk to me about growing up. How did you get this inclination for art, you know, writing and music? How did all of that begin for you? I don't really remember a time when I wasn't, you know, in some way involved in music. I remember, like, some of my first memories are I had this, like, really old uh, big Fisher-Price tape recorder, you know, with, with the microphone and everything, and I would carry it everywhere and um, make up songs and things like that, and I would sit down at the piano, and even before taking lessons, I would, you know, play what I was hearing on the radio by ear and things like that. Um I think by the time I, I got a karaoke machine for my sixth birthday, and by that point, I think I, I kind of knew. I remember my brother offered to lend me a thousand or a hundred dollars to record an album when I was six, which, um, if anybody's ever, you know, recorded an album, it's a little more expensive than that. Um, but I got more serious about it in my early teens when I really had started to struggle and I started, um, taking songwriting more seriously. And then I was in a talent competition, the finals for a talent competition, and I met a producer who had been on the panel of judges for that competition. He came up to me backstage, and he was like, hey, you know, I liked the song you played. Why don't we uh, try recording some music? And I didn't really think it would happen, but three weeks later, we were 
in the recording studio, which was pretty crazy to go from the high school band room to the professional recording studio in, in the space of three weeks. Yeah, that's wild. So who have been musical influences for you? Who do you look up to? Who do you listen to that you really get into? Growing up, it was like a lot of the, the big pop stars. Like my mom would listen to Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston and all those. Then in my teens, when I started writing, it was probably Evanescence. Then even some jazz artists as I got more into it. You know, Sarah Vaughn, Ella Fitzgerald, fantastic vocalist. Now it's 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 a little bit of everything. I like City and Color. Um, even some of the the pop artists like Ava Max. I think right now she's she's a great vocalist. Um, so it's really kind of all over the map. Talk to me a little bit about what you enjoy the most about your daily routine. You, I mean, there's there, there's a myriad of things that you do, but kind of talk to me a little bit about a typical day for you and what brings you the most joy in your, you know, whether it's writing or being an advocate or your music. I they're all so different, but I it would be hard to pick just one. I absolutely love being in the studio because I'm a perfectionist and how many other opportunities do we get in life to erase our mistakes? So I really love that. I love the creative process. I love getting to work with other musicians and, and hearing their ideas. Um, I just really love connecting with people also through advocacy, um, you know, getting to, to hear other people's stories and how my story can intersect with them. Um, I've been doing a lot of advocacy work on TikTok actually lately. So um, every day, pretty much, I'm creating at least one video, which is interesting and keeps me <laughs> creative and things like that, and, and allows me to connect with a lot of different people. So I don't. It's it's all so different, and I love that I get to do so many different things because I think I would get bored just doing one of those things. You know, my. And with 17 is on the autism spectrum, and I've dealt with the you know the disability community for a long, long time. And I'm curious, from your perspective, in a different country, like, and how do you feel the outside world with empathy? How, do, you, do you feel like it gets better all the time, more resources and, and more empathy, or a better dose of empathy for people? How do you think that's evolved over your life? I think we're talking about it more but I, I still don't think we're talking about it enough and I don't know that we're talking about it in the right ways. I think there's still a lot of um, fear and discomfort around disability and I think for the most part you know you can't educate people who don't want to be educated but I think a lot of people want to do better and when they know better they can do better um, but it's just this, this lack of knowledge around what people with disabilities are capable of. You know, I think I think that fear just comes from not understanding. So I think it's really important to be continuing those conversations. You know, it really depends on the day. Some days I'm like, oh, it's totally getting better from from when I was a kid. And then other days I see myself and, and other people, like especially younger people with disabilities, who are struggling in the same ways as I struggled when I was younger, and those days are really hard because it's like, well, I don't, I don't know if it's getting that much better. So just you know, day by day, put one foot in front of the other, and I try to do what I can to 
to educate people and, and to further that movement. So who would you consider role models for you, those that, that have really inspired you to, to be who you are? You know, there's there's a lot of famous people, um, but I think the biggest role models are, are the people in my life who I've watched go through adversity and, and come out the other side because I think, you know, when you, when you see people in the public eye, you're only seeing the one part. Um, but it's really inspiring to me to see some of the people in my own life and how they've struggled and how they've helped me during my struggles. You know, my, my first producer is, has been a huge role model for me. Um, we're still friends now. Uh, the producer I'm working with right now has come through a lot to be where he is. Um, my partner has been so supportive of me um, during the past years of while well, I've been struggling. So I think I think the people who most inspire me, who are my biggest role models, are actually the people who are closest to home for me. If you could meet anybody alive today on the planet, who would it be? Who would you love to meet? Maybe I don't. I don't know, like. Musician-wise, maybe City in Color. Um, I really admire him as a vocalist. What's next for you? What are you looking forward to? What's on your horizon to do next? Kind of, you know, especially in light of the fact that hopefully COVID's easing, things are opening up, we're getting into a better place on the planet. What are you looking forward to? Yeah, here's hoping. Um, I'm looking forward to recording more music. Um, at first, I was kind of not too big on whole, the whole like single thing versus releasing albums. Um, I'm starting to like embrace that more. I think it's kind of cool to actually be able to put out music um, more frequently than just waiting, you know, a year or two and putting out an album um, because then you there's always something fresh coming out. So that's really exciting and it keeps the excitement and momentum going. So. Right now I'm writing a lot. I'm hoping to um, go back into the studio probably October, November, write some more um, material. I just had a single come out on Friday, last Friday. And for in terms of live things, what I'm really hoping to do as we open up more is combine kind of this, the, the book and the music into almost this one sort of quote-unquote performance, you know, reaching people with the two different mediums, so sharing my story in a live setting through both story and music coming together into this this one sort of performance to hopefully reach the, the widest audience possible because some people respond better to music, some people want to hear you know, more of the story, I think with music, um, we, we can kind of fall into the trap and it's a blessing and a curse of, of hiding behind metaphors. And when you're speaking and telling your story, you, you kind of have to be more straight up about it. So I think both are, are really important things to do um, for me. And I'm really looking forward to combining those two into one sort of show. So for anybody out there that's listening to this, that's curious about your book what would you say to convince them to actually buy the book and read it i think there's something in there for most everybody i think that no matter you know the wherever you come from whatever walk of life i think there's something you know i've heard from so many different people from in so many different situations 
that have found something that they relate to. So basically, if you're if you're facing any sort of human struggle, I hope that you'll read it and that you will find something in it that encourages you to keep going. So everyone out there has an interpretation of you. You have different circles. What's your interpretation of you? Who do I think I am? Uh, <laughs> I think a very flawed person who is trying to leave the world a little bit better than I found it in whatever ways I can. Heather, where can people pick up the book, your music, learn anything more about you? How can they do that? Yeah, they can visit my website, www.heather-hutchison.com, H-U-T-C-H-I-S-O-N. On there, there's links to all the places you can download and stream my music. Uh, my book is on there. It's available on Amazon, Audible, basically anywhere you get books, as well all my social medias there, my TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, etc. So it would be great to connect with anybody. Wonderful. Heather, hey, thank you very much. Good luck with everything. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, and music around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Yeah.